And I will also be reading to us today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke writes these words, In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to their own towns to be registered. And Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. And he went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let us pray. God, we do gather this evening after hearing songs of worship proclaiming the reality that you are Emmanuel, God with us born over 2,000 years ago. And I pray, Lord, that that reality would give us hope, would give us joy, peace, love, and salvation on this night. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Quite a few years ago now, I was uh, at my very first interview uh, for a possible pastoral position uh, in the Philadelphia area. I was uh, incredibly excited about this. The church was beautiful. It was an old Presbyterian church that had been around for centuries. And uh, I was told that the manse, which is kind of where the pastor would live, um, that it had actually been used by George Washington's liverymen, his stablemen, when they would travel between uh, New York and Washington, D.C. Now, I have no idea if that's actually true, but I was going to tell everybody that. I had figured it all out. It was incredible. And I just got there, and they decided to take me uh, out to lunch. And so uh, I, I got to go. I, I sat at the head of the table, which, uh, of course, made me feel uh, much better about myself. I was very excited about this. And we all ordered. And then uh, everyone, the, the, uh, the committee, began to talk to one another. That's kind of the end of the story, really, which is that they just kept talking to one another, but only to one another. And nobody was talking to me. And I began to get kind of embarrassed, and it began to get kind of awkward, and I kept wondering, well, what's going on? Is this not an interview? I mean, don't they want to know something about how uh, incredible I am? And, and, and they, they didn't. And, and so they just kept talking. Now, it's not completely true that they didn't talk to me. The reality is there were a couple times. One time, one guy, he asked for the salt. So I handed that to him. Another time, a lady asked if I was going to eat all of my fries, which... I said, absolutely, never touch a man's fries. And so sure enough, nobody, though, the whole time said anything to me. And the whole night or that whole lunch and then for the rest of the weekend, the question that I kept asking was this, what am I doing here? Why am I here? And I thought that that's a pretty important 
question for us on this night. In fact, I have a sneaking suspicion, having done a fair amount of these Christmas Eve services, that there are probably quite a few of us here right now who are saying, why am I here? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But my guess is there are at least a few of you who are children or grandchildren or spouses and who have been drugged here tonight and who are wondering, why am I here? Can I get one amen out of that? Right? There are, there are others, of course, you know, so maybe, maybe you haven't been here in a while. And so you were kind of wrestling, oh, I don't feel like going, I feel kind of guilty, and should I? And now you're really thinking, I really, I, I totally, why am I here? And you're thinking, why am I here? There are some others around here, and you know who you are who are a bit more judgmental. And you're looking around, you're like, well, I wonder why he's here. Why is she here finally? And I want you to know that if you are asking that question right now, I want to congratulate you because you have done your homework. Because that is the exact kind of question that you should be asking on Christmas Eve. My guess is that that was a question that was asked a whole lot on Christmas Eve. Don't you think as Joseph and Mary are kind of coming up into the town of Bethlehem and she is nine months pregnant. I moved with my wife from California to Pennsylvania in a van when she was seven and a half months pregnant. And I can tell you my guess is she wasn't all that happy about that trip. And you can imagine that they were both thinking at that moment, why are we here And as Mary was sitting there ready to have the child in these less than grand conditions, you know she had to be saying, why am I here? And when the shepherds are out there minding their own business and all of a sudden all of the angels appear, they had to be wondering, the shepherds did, why are they here? And then sure enough, if you're one of the shepherds and after the angels have left, they were asking each other, why are we still here? And when they went into the stable, and there is Mary. Mary had to be wondering, having just given birth, why are they here? And and my guess is, even baby Jesus himself, if he had been able, would have looked around in that trough and said, why am I in here? My point is, of course, I think this is a critical question. Why are we here? And as I was thinking about this a bit more, I began to think that perhaps there's one more being who may have been asking that very important question. I never really thought about it all that much until I was kind of looking more closely at the lyrics to What Child Is This? You probably already know it. I'm not going to sing it, trust me. But it says this. It says in the second verse, Why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? And it caused me to wonder whether or not that line is actually true. Were they actually eating at all? I mean, think about this for a moment. Go with me. I have four little kids, so just bear with me. Think if you're Mr. Ox. Okay, and there you are as Mr. Ox and you're sitting there and you're just doing what you normally do and you're in your little stable and everything is going great. And then all of a sudden this man and woman come in. 
And they are where you are supposed to be. And you're wondering, why are they here, right? And this is, this is not great fun. And, and then, of course, a child is born. And I don't know if you've ever been around when a child has been born, but usually it's not super quiet. And, and, and so they probably weren't overly pleased. And, and it doesn't matter whether or not you've been around when a child is born. Most of us have heard a baby. They tend to not be quiet. I'm not calling out anybody who has a loud baby. I'm glad you're here. I'm just saying they tend to be somewhat loud, right? And so you can imagine that Mr. Ox is probably not very happy about all of this. And maybe he tries to go to sleep. Maybe he thinks it's just a nightmare. And then, of course, he wakes up because he's hungry. And so what do you do when you're hungry? Well, we go to a refrigerator. Where would Mr. Ox have gone if he was hungry? To a trough. And so there goes Mr. Ox over to his trough, and he looks in, and there is this stinking baby. And so what question do you think Mr. Ox is asking? Why is he here? And I love that image. I know. Who knows if it really happened like that? But what I love about this image, fictional or not, is that it is one of the very first times when Jesus got in somebody's way and disrupted their life. And what I want you to know tonight on this Christmas Eve is that a part of the reason why Jesus was born into this world was in order to bother and disrupt all of our lives. That God came in the flesh the word made flesh so that we could no longer ignore him. It's much like when you were a kid, this is all a hypothetical, of course, and you have a, a sister who's in the back seat who's constantly bothering you and you're fighting and your father keeps saying, stop fighting, and you keep ignoring and ignoring and ignoring until his word becomes flesh and he begins to reach back. And as soon as that happens, everything begins to change. There is something different that happened whenever Jesus became flesh. And all of a sudden, we could no longer ignore him. All of a sudden, he began to get into our way, to disrupt our lives. The story of Christmas, if it has become all too soft for you or romanticized, is this. It is supposed to disrupt your life. Now, there's a lot of people, especially Christians this time of year, and I get it, who get bothered by somebody else at Christmas time, who, of course, is Santa Claus. And I understand there are those people who think that Santa Claus is kind of getting in the way, if you will, of Christmas. I tend to not get my feathers ruffled too much by Santa Claus, but I do want to say this. It seems to me if there is a problem with Santa Claus, it is not that Santa Claus is always getting in the way. It's the reality that Santa Claus is actually the exact opposite problem, which is that he never gets in our way. You see, because the point of Santa Claus is to give you everything that you want. (laughs) Not even my child. That is an amen if I have ever heard it. (laughs) 
You hear that about Santa Claus, but you don't hear that about Jesus. Because the point of Jesus was never to simply be the recipient of everything you have ever wanted and to never get in your way. The call of Jesus has always been to disrupt and to make you begin to question why exactly it is that you are here. Because here is the simple reality, brothers and sisters, left to our own devices. When we live lives that are not disruptable or are never disrupted, what happens is that we simply just do things without even thinking about why we are doing them. And we oftentimes end up at the end of our day and perhaps even at the end of our very lives without ever having wondered whether we have done anything of any kind of meaningfulness or purposefulness. Far too often we end up just sort of being here without ever asking what are we doing And so perhaps in this very simple message on Christmas Eve, perhaps what we have is a simple question, which is whether or not the God that you serve looks a bit more like Santa Claus, who gives you everything you have ever wanted and who would never think of disrupting you at all, or whether or not it looks a bit more like Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, from whom the very beginning he was interrupting our lives. Do you actually allow God to disrupt your life or do you simply just keep going on without ever asking any kind of difficult questions about why you are here or what difference it makes if Jesus was truly born in this world? And here's the thing about these disruptions, sisters and brothers. We have to be open to them. Most of us are far too busy to ever be disrupted by Jesus. And the disruptions of Jesus, quite frankly, are rarely as exciting as they were for the shepherds on that day. They're usually much more mundane. Perhaps for some of you, a disruption of Jesus might very well start tomorrow when you gather around the Christmas table and maybe there's somebody nearby, somebody who broke your trust at some point and you do not like him or her. But the problem is you have this disruption of Jesus who keeps telling us that we are to be a people of forgiveness. Or maybe you're sitting across the table from someone who's wearing a hat that says make America great again, or a t-shirt that says she persisted. I made sure to get one on each side. And what you really want to do is just go off on her or go off on him. And yet you keep hearing something about something that Jesus said about loving our enemies. And you realize that perhaps rather than speaking the words you really think are coming from your heart, perhaps the question is how might you bring peace into a situation that is so easily volatile? By the way, this is free. Don't wear that hat or shirt tomorrow. Perhaps 
The disruption that you need is to shut off that doggone television or to log off of Facebook or whatever other social media it may be because the thing is, Jesus keeps interrupting us with this annoying call to actually go out and love our neighbors. And maybe, just maybe, you will have been doing more for the coming kingdom of God by spending an hour listening to somebody in need than just by entertaining yourself. Or perhaps, and this very well may be the most difficult, it is by simply slowing down. Just as Jesus did again and again, getting away, going away with his Father. Because we need to remember that why you matter And why you are important and why you are loved has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what you have accomplished or what you have accumulated. And has everything to do with the fact that Jesus was born for you. And that you are loved because you are a creation of God. And sometimes the only time we can ever hear that is when we finally slow down for long enough to remember who Jesus is and what difference that makes in our lives. I don't know what this next year looks like for you. For some of you, I may never see you again. You may go back. You may live someplace else. It doesn't matter. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to ask yourself if you are someone who is living a life that can be interrupted. Because only when you are living a life where you are allowing Jesus to interrupt you, only then will you begin to ask the question of why is it that I am here? Why do I do what I do? And my hope and my prayer is in those moments, you will remember this night and you will remember that you are here because you are loved by God who loved you so much that he could not help but be born in this world in order to bother you until you noticed him. Sisters and brothers in Christ, those shepherds, Joseph, Mary, the wise men, and perhaps even the ox were forever changed because they allowed Jesus to interrupt them. On this Christmas night, may we likewise be willing to be interrupted by Emmanuel, God with us. Amen and amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, when Jesus came in the flesh, One of the things that he interrupted was the darkness. And it's the reason why every year when we gather together, we light the candle. What is known as the Christ candle. As a reminder that no matter what it is that you may be facing, no matter what challenge before you, no matter how dark it may appear, that Christ, the light of the world, 
whether the candle actually works or not. (laughs) That Christ has been born. And thank God it's not up to wax for us to know that that is true.